We're in the midst of a series of lessons entitled The Fruit of the Spirit, Nine Virtues of the Christian Life. And using Paul's words here in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 as our foundation, we're looking at these nine essential characteristics of a Spirit-filled Christ follower. This morning, let's read these two key verses in their entire context. So follow along in your Bible as I read Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. Galatians chapter 5, we pick up Paul's words with verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. (laughs) Because he couldn't make a list that was exhaustive. And the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now I think that it is significant that Paul uses the term fruit, singular, not fruits, plural. The fruit of the Spirit is, not the fruits of the Spirit are. I believe that's important to note because when we think of in terms of fruit and not fruits, you'll see I notice I listed three things there in your notes. We will, number one, reduce the tendency to disassociate these virtues each from one another. In other words, we won't try to pick one of them out of the list and say, okay, we're going to focus on this one and that one you know, is the one that's our focus and we forget the others. Because they're all connected. They are the fruit, singular, of the Spirit. Number two, we'll resist the temptation to distinguish these virtues one above another. So we won't say, okay, this one's more important, and that one's not so important. No, they're all important because they are all the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then third, we will remove the freedom to disregard these virtues, one instead of another again, uh, where we might say, well, I'm pretty good at peace, but, you know, patience, now that's another whole issue. (laughs) No, you can't do that. The Holy Spirit is producing this fruit in us. All of it is His fruit. Singular. Now having said that, interestingly enough, we're taking a look at each of these fruit. Each of these nine Christian virtues one at a time because that's really the best way for us to understand them. (laughs) And so far in this series of lessons, so we have studied love and joy 
and peace and patience. And if you've missed any of these previous lessons, I encourage you to just download the sermon online from our website or Facebook page, or you can order a copy of the actual CD at the bottom of your communication card, your bulletin flap this morning. We'll get that made for you. And so today, we come to the fifth fruit, the fifth virtue of the Christian life, and that is kindness. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. So what exactly is kindness? And how do we put kindness into practice in our everyday lives? Well, let's answer those two questions together this morning. First of all, beginning with kindness explained. What exactly is kindness? How can we define it? Well, I find it interesting that this Greek word here is only found in Christian writings of that day. Isn't that interesting? In other words, before Christianity, prior to the New Testament, this word kindness wasn't a part of the everyday language or the conversations of the people in the first century. And actually, there's a story in and around that. You see in Greek, the noun form of this word kindness is krestos. This sounded a whole lot like another Greek word, Christos. And many times the Romans would hear the Christians using these words and they would get them confused. Christos, Christos, not knowing which one they were really using. And what makes that remarkable is that Christos is translated kindness, whereas Christos is translated Christ. I don't think that's by accident. (laughs) The Roman world couldn't tell them apart. That's a great word picture, I think. (laughs) Because simply, we wouldn't have the slightest idea, folks, what kindness is apart from Jesus Christ. There is no way we could understand Christos without Christos. Look at these two Scriptures. Titus 3. Verses 4 and 5. When the kindness and the generous love of God our Savior appeared on the scene. By the way, let me stop right there. Who's Paul talking about here? He's talking about Jesus, right? When the kindness, when the Christos and the generous love of God our Savior appeared on the scene, when the Christos, who is Christos, God our Savior appeared on the scene, not in consequence of anything we have done in any goodness of our own, but solely in His own mercy, He saved us. That's kindness. (laughs) Ephesians 2, verses 7 and 8. God did this so that He could show how truly good and kind, there's the word, He is to us, because of what Christ Jesus has done, you see. You were saved by faith in God who treats us much better than we deserve. Aren't you glad? (laughs) It's called grace, isn't it? Personified in Christos, who is the Christos, the kindness of God. You see, in essence then, God Himself coined this word Kindness. We couldn't even begin to understand what this fruit of the Spirit kindness means apart from the example of Jesus Christ. Now, 
This Greek word, krestos, is translated a variety of different ways throughout the, the New Testament. Besides to be kind, some of the other synonyms include to be pleasant, to be gracious, to be merciful, to be benevolent, to be generous. And when you put it all together, there are two important characteristics about krestos, about kindness, that I believe are noteworthy. Number one, kindness is being concentrated on others. Kindness is being concentrated on others. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 tells us, love is kind. The message paraphrases that same verse this way, love cares more for others than for self. Isn't that interesting? Read Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4 out loud with me. Let's read these together. Never act from motives of rivalry or personal vanity, but in humility think more of one another than you do of yourselves. None of you should think only of his own affairs, but each should learn to see things from other people's point of view. See, the Apostle Paul's point is simply this. We should be focused more on the needs and interests of others than we are on our own needs and interests. We need to get our eyes off of ourselves and on to others. That's not easy. But that's the call of kindness. Kindness is being concentrated on others. Number two, kindness is being constructive with others. Kindness is being constructive with others. Look at the way J.B. Phillips translates 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. This love of which I speak looks for a way of being constructive. Romans 15 verse 2 says, Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Don't miss those words. To build him up. Up. The call here is for us to do good to those around us, to look for ways that we might be able to build others up. Again, kindness is being constructive with others. Okay, so let me let me summarize. Here's today's sermon in a sentence. <laughs> Fill in the blanks there in your notes. The fruit of kindness means being a people builder. <clears throat> Krestos, as exemplified in Christos. <laughs> Kindness, as in the example of Jesus Christ Himself, means being a people builder. In short, kindness can be defined as being concentrated on others so that we can be constructive with others. As the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of kindness in and through us, it will be evidence as our focus shifts from self to others, and we begin to say and do things that encourage and build up other people around us. Again, the bottom line is we'll be people builders. In a nutshell, I think that's kindness expressed. People building. Which leads us to our second main thought today, and that's kindness expressed. Colossians 3 and verse 12 reminds us, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves in kindness. Isn't that interesting? 
Now, how do we do that? How can we learn to better concentrate on others and to be constructive with others? What are some practical ways that we can become better people builders in our everyday lives? Well, to find the answer to that, here's what I did. I researched every single New Testament Scripture that uses the word krestos this last week. Kindness. And the culmination of my study as I took notes leads me to share these five suggestions for expressing kindness. If we're allowing the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of kindness in and through our lives, our people building will be expressed in at least these five ways. Number one, we will give others unconditional compassion. We will give others unconditional compassion. Read Ephesians 4, verse 32 out loud with me. Be kind and compassionate to one another. (laughs) Interesting. Kind and compassionate. As I researched the usage of this word kindness throughout the New Testament, it was clearly obvious that kindness and compassion go hand in hand with each other. And Jesus, in fact, Christos. Christos, who's Christos? Okay. Jesus, in fact, was a perfect example of compassion and kindness. You realize how many times it was his compassion for people that moved him to concentrate on them and to be constructive with them? Matthew 9. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so what did Jesus do? He did something constructive. He sent out his apostles two by two so that he could expand his ministry more than what he was able to do just as a single individual. They went out two by two to spread kindness, if you will, to do ministry, to be constructive, with others. Matthew 14, verse 14. When Jesus saw a large crowd, He had compassion on them. And what did He do? He healed their sick. Yeah, He did something constructive, didn't He? Matthew 15, verse 32. Jesus called His disciples to Him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry. Yeah, even something as practical as that. (laughs) And so... This is the incident, by the way, where he had him sit down and he fed 4,000 men, not counting women and children, with seven loaves and a few fish. And they all were filled. You think, that's just food. Yeah, yeah, but that's constructive, you see. That's what compassion does. Matthew 20, verse 34, to two blind men, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight. You can just keep flipping through the chapters of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of the Gospels. Those are just a few examples that illustrate Jesus' kindness which originated from His unconditional compassion for others. Now, of course, we, as Christ followers, are to be Christ-like aren't we? We must show the same kind of compassion to others that Jesus did. Now, practically speaking, that's how the fruit of kindness is expressed in our daily lives. 
1 John 3, verses 16-18 through 18 instructs us, we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. If you see some brother or sister in need and have means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears, and you made it disappear. Whoa. Let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. Okay, so let me get in your face on this for just a moment. Can I do that? A little application here. Let me ask you this question. To whom are you needing to show unconditional compassion today? I want you to, literally, I want you to stop right now. I want you to think about that. To whom? I want you to think of somebody. In fact, I'm going to even ask you to be so bold as to write down a name or two right there in your notes. Right now. To whom do you think God is calling you to show compassion? Somebody who's in your circle of influence, family, friends, neighbors, work associates, whoever it may be, that you believe God has placed there and you know in your heart of hearts that God is calling you to show that person unconditional compassion. Who is it? Think about it. Write down a name. So how do we express kindness? How can we be better people builders? First, we will give others unconditional compassion. Number two, we will give others unfearing challenge. We will give others an unfearing challenge. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I need people to get in my face once in a while (laughs) and challenge me. It's what Paul did, Ephesians 4 verse 1, Therefore I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. I love that fearless challenge from the Apostle Paul. In a nutshell, he's urging us, look, make your life count for God. You have been called by God, now act like it. Whoa. That's in your face. But you know what? We need that, don't we? All of us need people in our lives, to challenge us to be all that God has called us to be. I need you to challenge me. And you need me to challenge you. And we need to be challenging one another. That's one of the most important ways that we can be people builders. Hebrews 10 verse 24 puts it this way. Give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. Isn't that interesting? Yes, we are responsible. We are our brother's keeper. Continuous care to watching over one another. Studying how we may stimulate and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. We need to be giving each other unfearing challenge to rise up and be all that God has called us to be. So, okay, let me get personal on this application point. Who are you needing to personally challenge? on a regular basis. Somebody in your circle of influence, can you think of somebody right now that you know needs to be challenged? They're kind of lagging. They're kind of being doubtful, timid, fearful, and you know you need to come alongside of them and you need to challenge them to be everything that God has called him or her to be. Who is that person? Can you write down a name?
So how can we express kindness? How can we be a better people builder? Second, we'll give others unfearing challenge. Number three, we will give others undaunted courage. We will give others undaunted courage. Read Romans 15 and verses 1 and 2 out loud with me. Those of us who are strong and able need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? That's what Jesus did. It's exactly what Jesus did. As He was walking this earth, and we talked about that earlier, and He came into contact with people, He always had His antennas up. He always was looking for ways that He could practically, constructively help other people. How can I help this person? And we need to do the same as people builders. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 tells us to encourage one another and build each other up. I love that word encourage. That's a neat word. En, meaning in or into. And courage, meaning courage or bravery. In other words, we are to speak courage, we are to speak bravery into the life of someone else. That's what encourage means. Now, how do we do that? How do we instill undaunted courage in someone else? Well, I don't remember when or where it was I heard this, but it stuck with me throughout the year, so I want to pass it along to you. I put it there in your notes. When we encourage someone else, when we speak courage or bravery into another person, we need to remember these three things. Notice them there in your notes. First of all, it needs to be real. I mean, nothing's worse than phony <laughs> encouragement. Are you, tr- you know what I'm saying? It's got to be real. Secondly, it needs to be regular. In other words, consistent. Not just a one-time deal. Yeah, you know, I sent a note to that person one time and encouraged them. (laughs) No, we're talking about people in your circle of influence that you need to do this regularly, consistently, maybe even daily. And it needs to be recognizable. In other words, specific. You know, not just a rah, 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 but, you know, something specific where you're really encouraging them you're speaking courage into them about a specific thing. You can do this very thing right here. This is what God has called you to do. You need the courage to do it. Okay, so let's get personal. Who are you encouraging? Into whom do you need to instill some courage and bravery today? Someone in your circle of influence, somebody you work with, somebody that you go to school with, somebody that is in your neighborhood, a family member, a friend, somebody that that God has allowed to be in your circle of influence that you need to draw alongside of and you need to speak, you need to instill some courage into that person. Who is that? Can you write a name down? Or two? Or three? Let me just pause here. Some of you don't like that I'm asking you to write names down. I can tell. Some of you are going, ah, that's, that's getting too personal. Now he's gone from preaching to meddling. Well, I'm just going to meddle today, okay? I'm going to mess with your life this morning because that's what this Scripture did to me this last week. So I got it all week long and I get to give 30 minutes of it to you. <laughs> Okay. 
So how can we express kindness? How can we be a better people builder? Third, we will give others undaunted courage. Number four, we will give others unreserved counsel. We will give others unreserved counsel. I think this is one of the greatest and most needed values in the fruit of kindness. Giving counsel, open, honest counsel to others. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Just as iron sharpens iron, friends sharpen the minds of each other. And when iron sharpens iron, you've heard me say it before, sparks fly, right? But that is welcome. That is even encouraged in the kind of relationships that we ought to be building with one another as believers in Christ. When it's done in a loving and kind way. As it says in Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6, better to correct someone openly than to let him think you don't care for him at all. Friends mean well even when they hurt you. Isn't that interesting? Friendship, you see, real friendship will hurt at times. That's the nature of that friendship because people are going to come alongside you and give you counsel you don't want to hear. But you need it. And the same thing's true of you with other people. Let's read Psalm 141 and verse 5 out loud together. Good people rebuke me in kindness. I thought that was an interesting verse. Good people rebuke me in kindness. Now what is it that makes a rebuke right or wrong, by the way? I think it's the attitude or the motive in which that rebuke is given. Isn't that right? As it says here, in kindness. <laughs> Ephesians 4 verse 15 reminds us to speak the truth in love. In giving unreserved counsel to others, it should be constructive, not destructive. The goal should be correction, not condemnation. By the way, one of the questions that you should always ask before you hand out advice is, have I earned the right to give this advice? Do you hear me? See, there's got to be trust in a relationship to give unreserved counsel, doesn't there? I mean, you have to earn the right. You, you don't have the right just to come up and, and rebuke somebody, just to come up and, and, and you know, get in their face about something that you haven't earned their trust in that relationship to be able to do so. You need to be in a relationship that has trust and you have built that trust and you have earned the right to speak into that person's life. So, again, let's apply this one personally. To whom are you giving unreserved counsel today? Who, who do you have in your circle of influence right now Somebody that you know, a family member, a friend, neighbor, whatever. Somebody you know that's in your circle that needs some counsel. <laughs> that you've earned the right to be able to go to that person and give them some honest, upfront, unreserved counsel and advice. Can you write the name of somebody down? So how can we express kindness? How can we be a better people builder? Fourth, we will give others unreserved counsel. And number five, we will give others unselfish credit. <laughs> unselfish credit. Perhaps you've read the poster that says God can do great things through the person who doesn't care who gets the credit. Hmm. I think that's the basic principle behind Romans 12 and verse 10. Let's read it out loud together. Read it with me. 
Let us have real warm affection for one another and a willingness to let the other man have the credit. I like that. A willingness to let the other man have the credit. Folks, the best people builders are the ones who are quick to accept blame themselves when others when things go wrong and quick to give credit to others when things go right. True kindness, you see, deflects applause and approval to others. As the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of kindness in and through our lives, it becomes increasingly more important to us that those around us receive the recognition that they deserve. We are content, in fact, to remain out of the spotlight to allow others to shine. Okay, let's apply this principle personally. To whom do you need to give some praise and recognition today? Somebody in your circle of influence that you know of that you need to draw alongside and you need to give them a pat on the back, that you need to step out of the spotlight and you need to push them into the spotlight so that they give the credit, they get the credit that, that you know that they deserve. You need to let them shine. <laughs> give them some recognition? Who is that person? Can you write down a name? Surely there's somebody you know that you need to go to this week and be a people builder. So, how can we express kindness? How can we be better people builder? Fifth, we'll give unselfish credit to others. Five suggestions then for expressing kindness to others. Five practical ways we can be better people builders. As the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of kindness in and through our lives, it will be obvious, I think, in at least these five ways. First, we will give unconditional compassion to them. And then we will give unfearing challenge to them. And then we will give undaunted courage to them. And then we will give unreserved counsel to them. And then we will give unselfish credit to them. The fruit of the Spirit. This morning we focus on this fifth value of the Christian life, the fifth quality of the inner character of a genuine, authentic Christ follower, kindness. Galatians 5.22 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. And we've discovered that kindness means being concentrated on others and being constructive with others. It means being a people builder. And we've offered some practical suggestions for developing and demonstrating kindness in our daily lives. And we've asked you to write the names of some people. I hope some of you have. If you haven't, do it when you get home. Spend some time going back over this again and just thinking and praying, God, who, who have you put in my circle of influence that I need to be a people builder with. So now it's time for us to get busy, folks. It's time for us to get to work being people builders, expressing kindness as we allow the Holy Spirit to produce this fruit in and through our daily lives. Which also means, can I just be honest, that it's also time for us to roll out our excuses as to why we can't do this? Ah, we love to, you know... We love to roll out all the excuses. I asked you to put some names down, and you're looking at those names, and you're but, but you don't know so and so, Mark. I can't possibly be kind to him or to her. But, 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 but. While you're wrestling with your own excuses right now, let's watch this video clip together. 
I got a got a big butt. It's gigantic. If I'm gonna be blunt about it. And you know what? The funny thing is, I got several big butts. And, and, and before you before you discard me or, or wince at the disgusting notion of that, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and suggest that possibly you have at least one big butt as well. Yeah, you like that? Hurts a little, huh? Let me tell you something. Let me just tell you something, okay? Everybody we know has a big butt. And more often than not, it's the thing that actually gets in the way of us living a consistent life for Jesus. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to expound a little bit, okay? See if you can recognize some of these butts. But I have to work more. But my favorite TV show is on. But my kids have practice. But i got to tweet something. But it's such a beautiful day. But I'm just not in the mood. But I deserve a break today. You see... Everything kind of interferes with my life of, of just living an authentic life for God, okay? And more often than not, it always has something to do with some sort of butt, okay? Even the littlest of butt can distract me. It really can. The littlest butt can make me think, well, I'm not going to pray today. I'm not going to think about it today. I'm not going to deny myself. I'm not going to read the Bible, blah, blah, blah. Whatever God asks me to do, I seem to have a butt for it and get away, okay? And the most horrendously big butt of all time is the butt that gets in the way of me just hanging out with God and reading His Word. It's true. Think about it. All the times you're about to open that, and all of a sudden the big giant butt gets in the way of butt. Much like one of these. But I got a farm bill, but I'm tired, but the game's over, but I read last Tuesday, but I gotta check Facebook, but I don't like Leviticus, but it's too hot in here, but I, I just don't like books, but I don't understand it, but it's boring, but what does that have to do with me in the 21st century? Those are some ugly butts, people. So call them what they are, ugly, ugly butts. Okay, and there's a lot more to them, sad but true. Here's a list, although not exhaustive, of some of the most popular butts known to mankind. But I don't have enough money yet. But others will think that I'm a nerd if I carry the Bible. But they won't like me if I talk about Jesus. But I don't know if God will do what I ask. But I just can't get motivated. But I'm afraid. But I don't have all the answers. But the small group is the same night as Monday Night Football. But can I just let my life speak for itself? But I'm not happy. But that's not my gift. But that's the pastor's job. But I don't know how to pray. But I can't believe that. But I don't know where to start. But everybody else is having fun. Butts abound, friend. But, 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 but. Here a but, there a but. Everywhere a but, but. Okay? And, and, and the most overused but of all time. But I just don't have enough time. Really? Oh, come on. We have a lot of buts. God has given us a real simple word. Okay? If we learn it and we share it and we teach it and we live by it, then see, God gets glorified, people benefit, and then we get blessed. That's why we do what we do. That's the why behind the butt. Okay? And ultimately, that's the whole point I'm trying to make here, my fellow butt lovers, is if your butt is bigger than your why, then your butt's too big. Okay, it's time to, metaphorically speaking, snap into a Slim Jim. Okay, let's slap on some spiritual shape-ups and hit the road a little bit so we can just manage the butts a little bit. That's all we're trying to do. That's what we're talking about. Let's minimize the excuses. Let's shrink the butts. Shrink the butts. Say it with me. Shrink the butts. That's what we need to do. And you and I can do that together. We can conquer this. You and I can do it. We start today, okay? I know we can. Let's just do it. No ifs, ands, or... Yeah. I think you get it. <laughs> now I just I just know somebody's gonna go, that's tacky. <laughs> but I, I was trying to figure out some kind of way to say it in a different way. <laughs> that would get you to laugh a little bit, but at the same time, folks, it is time for us to put aside our big butts. <laughs> And quit making excuses and get down to the business of being people builders, showing kindness. In fact, let's wrap up today's lesson by reading Hebrews 10 and verse 24 out of the Living Bible together. Would you read this with me? 
In response to all God has done for us, let us outdo each other in being kind to each other. Isn't that a great verse? Let's just outdo each other in being kind. Man, if we'd all do that, that'd just get rid of the big butts right there. <laughs> it sure would. Great idea. Let's outdo each other in expressing kindness.